Well, now we turn uh, to God's Word together. Uh, we're looking at Luke chapter 7 this morning. So if you uh, want to turn to that, Luke chapter 7, 36 to 50. If you have uh, and are using the Black Bible there at your feet, it should be page 874. No, I'm sorry, 864. 864. This morning, uh, part two in our sermon series that we're calling Knowing Jesus. Looking at different passages of scripture uh, each week to highlight particular facets of who Jesus is. Uh, and, and the goal is the same every single week, trying to know Jesus better. Not just know about him, well, that's part of it, uh, but by knowing about him, knowing him more deeply, more personally. Because as we saw last week from Jesus' own lips in John 17, knowing Christ, that's life. That's life. And so we want to grow in true life. Uh, we want to know Jesus better, and he wants us to know him. And so we, we come this week to a new, uh, a new subject, the welcome of Christ, and this, this wonderful passage in Luke 7. We'll read verses 36 to 50. Let's listen to God's word. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kiss, kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both of them. Uh, now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet uh, with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would show us Jesus. Lord, we, we hear this passage. It's about him. 
we know that your spirit delights to use this word and uh, and make Jesus alive in our hearts. Do that, Lord, right here, right now, uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Does Jesus welcome you? Does Jesus welcome you? Think about welcome. It's a little bit different than just somebody lets you close or somebody lets you in. Perhaps even you can think of a time uh, when you were visiting, maybe visiting uh, somebody's house or maybe visiting a church, uh, maybe just, just entering into a group of people and they let you in, but you didn't feel welcome. Right? There's a difference. There's a difference between just being let in, just being let close, and being welcomed. Yeah, welcome has that sense of the host not only lets you in, but he does it with a smile on his face, with, with joy in his heart. Right? He, he actually not only lets you in, but he wants to let you in. Welcome. Does Jesus welcome you? You could think about it with the big welcome. Think about the, uh, the, the final day, right? We're all going to die at some point. Uh, die and stand before Jesus, the judge of the living and the dead. And on that great day, will Jesus welcome you into his heaven? Will Jesus welcome you then? But we can even think about it right here, right now. Does Jesus welcome you now? The questions are connected, right? The, if Jesus welcomes you now, you can have a real strong clue about what uh, on that final day will be. But what about right now? Does Jesus welcome you? This, this is his church. Does he welcome you? Not just let you in, welcome you. Or, or maybe tomorrow morning. You wake up in Jesus' world. Does he welcome you. We come to a passage where, well, Jesus surprises just about everyone. Uh, and surprising with his welcome. And so as we look together, are, are we willing to be a bit surprised by Jesus? Surprised by who he welcomes? How he welcomes? Why he welcomes? And how that welcome transforms people? So let's take a look. The welcome of Jesus. First thing we, we discover in the passage, and we can mention, is that uh, it's a welcome for sinners. Bad sinners. So here's Jesus. He gets invited to essentially a dinner party. Uh, it's the home of a Pharisee named Simon. Not to be confused with Simon Peter the disciple. Different guy. This is Simon the Pharisee. And Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus uh, to a, a dinner gathering, and there they are around, around the table, and in walks this woman. 
Now, that in and of itself isn't surprising that, that an uninvited person would end up in the room where the dinner is happening. Apparently, that was fairly common when you were a, a notable person and had a gathering of people. You would have people sometimes walking in and just well, standing around up the outside of the table, just listening to the conversation. That wasn't shocking. What was shocking was who she was and what she did. Well, who is she? Well, Luke identifies her in verse 37 as a woman of the city who was a sinner. And then Simon gives the same uh, designation, uh, a sinner. Apparently, it's public knowledge. Everybody knows it. They know her, and they publicly all agree, yeah, this, this is a sinner. Now, the, the people around that table, they're, they're good Hebrews. They, they know their Bible. They know passages like Psalm 14. There is no one who does good, no, not one. Uh, so they probably would all acknowledge, oh, yeah, yeah, everybody sins. Yeah, everybody's a sinner. But this woman, she's capital S sinner. Big sinner, bad sinner. Uh, that's how she's designated. Um, what kind of sinner is she? We don't know. Could be that, that sinner is euphemism for prostitute, maybe. Uh, is she a known adulteress? Uh, does she, uh, is, is she a notorious gossip? Maybe. We don't know for sure. What we do know for sure is that everybody agrees, even Jesus, that she's a sinner. Even, even, a, even a bad sinner. Is that how you think of yourself? A bad sinner. Sure, everybody sins, but I'm I'm a bad sinner. You ever think of yourself that way? Maybe, maybe it is a, a struggle with sexual sin that that has you give that designation to yourself. Uh, maybe it's it's some other type of sin, and maybe it's not like this woman and the fact that everybody knows it. But maybe if everybody did know it they would be nodding their heads, oh yeah, yeah, she's, he's a bad sinner. Is that how you think of yourself? Well, there is a real sense, biblically, if you think of yourself that way, you're right. Because the Bible calls us all sinners, even in a bad sense. In the sense of, uh, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and it's really, really serious. Does Jesus welcome sinners? Bad sinners. Uh, maybe, maybe as you think about yourself and you think about Jesus, uh, you know you've been around church enough and you think, okay, well, yeah, Jesus, Jesus lets me in. But he's not real happy about it. Jesus, Jesus allows me close, but he really doesn't welcome. You ever tempted to say that about yourself or think it deep down? Um, he lets me in, but he doesn't have a smile on his face when he does it. One of the reasons why this passage really, really strikes me, I've been thinking about this quite a bit over, over the, my sabbatical time. Uh, one of the reasons it really hits me is, is because some of the things that are they're kind of buzzing around the surface here. So here's one of them. You know, we all have different things that we look to 
uh, that we tend to say, well, okay, if I have this and I have this, then I, I can relax. I'm good. I can feel okay about myself and like everything's okay, right? You know, uh, if I get this and I get this. If you're curious and you want to come back to one, go online to the Bible study tonight, I'll actually give you a little quiz to how, to how to try to bring out of your heart what are those things you tend to look to. If I got this and I got this, uh, I'm, I'm good, I'm okay. Um, but I'll give, you, I'll, give, I'll give you my two, or at least two at the top of my list. And I mention it because I bet you they're similar to at least one of what's on the top of your list. Right? I, I'm good. I'm okay. I can, I can be relaxed in this moment, peaceful in this moment, if I can look at what I've done, and I've done some good things. And two, the people around me generally think well of me. I'm, I'm okay. I can be relaxed. If I've done some good things, and the people around me generally think well of me. Well, here's the powerful thing about this woman. She walks into the room, and she's done very little good things, and nobody thinks well of her. And yet Jesus welcomes her. The very thing we think, like, if I don't have those two things, ah, you know, like, panic, can't be okay. And, and, and she is the very person in that very situation, to, to an extreme point, she hasn't done good things, nobody thinks well of her, and Jesus welcomes her. Right? Like, like, smile on his face welcome. Yeah. Because it's a welcome for sinners. Even bad sinners. Okay. More than that. A welcome that forgives sin. So here, here we get to that, that idea of, well, why does Jesus welcome her? Everybody agrees, sinner, bad sinner. But why does he welcome her? Uh, is it because he doesn't know who she is? That's the question that Simon the Pharisee has. Um, is it the case that he welcomes her because he doesn't really care about sin? You know, kind of like, whatever. You know, sin, schmin, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Come on in. Give me a hug. You know, it's just like, is that what Jesus thinks about, about sin? And, and to set the record straight, Jesus tells a story. The story is really what, what, what guides our understanding of the whole narrative. Jesus is going to tell a story. The Pharisees are confused. Maybe his disciples are confused. He tells a story. Here's the story. Two, land, two uh, individuals borrow money. Money of two different amounts. Uh, if we were to kind of retell the story today, we might say... Uh, there was a there was a bank owner who loaned one guy two hundred thousand dollars to buy a house, and he loaned another guy twenty thousand dollars to buy a car. But what happened? But the house burned down, and the car got totaled, and neither of them can pay back any of it. And the bank owner decides, I'm just going to forgive the debt. You don't owe me anything. That's the story. And he uses that story uh, to explain what's going on with, with this, this woman. So one of the things that it explains is Jesus' view of sin. That he is by no means thinking it's trivial. Right? Because what's, what is, what, what's the corresponding thing to sin in the story? It's that debt. And he uses amounts, both the amounts, that are far from trivial. Right? It, it, it's not Jesus saying, hey, if somebody borrowed two bucks from you, you probably had that. You know, 
Can I, do you have a couple dollars? Yeah, here's two here's two dollars. I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back. And you're like, whatever. Like, don't worry about it. And you probably never think about it again because who cares, right? It's two dollars. Not right. That's not the amounts he's talking about. He's talking about amounts you would remember. Somebody borrows $20,000 from you? Somebody borrows $200,000 from you? you? You remember that kind of thing. And if you have to just like wipe that debt out, say you don't owe me anymore, like you would feel that. That would make a difference. Uh, right? So that's what how Jesus sets this up. That's how uh, he's giving his interpretation of, of what sin is. It, it most definitely is a big deal. Uh, and he even, he even confirms, verse 47, as he talks about her, he says, her sins, which are many. Right? He sees it. it it's big. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal for all of us. Sins. Right? Anytime we, we turn from God's ways, right? the God who made us for himself, we turn from that to, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, we, we, we turn and, right? Who cares about God? I'm doing my thing for me. Uh, regardless of who gets in the way and what the cost is, and, right? We rebel against God, that's sin. It's a big deal. Uh, it, it's, it's like a debt that we could never repay. So, so as, you, as you think about, uh, about sin and yourself as a sinner, uh, don't think it's trivial, and thus, don't think, okay, I'm going to fix it myself. Right? That, that can't be our response uh, to sin. Like, I'll, I'll make it right. I'll figure it out. Right? You know, I'll, I'll do a few good things and kind of, you know, pay for it a little bit. No, you can't. Right? You can't pay it back. That's, that's the point of how bad sin is and how Jesus presents it. She can't pay it back. We can't pay it back. The only hope, then, is that Jesus would forgive the debt. Cancel it. Say to her, say to you, you don't owe me any. That, that, that sin is forgiven, wiped out. I'm not going to hold it against you today. I'm not going to hold it against you ever. That's her only hope. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He, he actually repeats it. He, he, tells, the, he tells the room, uh, verse 47, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And then he tells her directly, verse 48, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't downplay it. He doesn't say it's no big deal, but he clarifies it. Forgiven. Paid for. Saying to this woman, the bad sinner, I don't hold your sins against you today, and I won't hold them against you ever. And if you, if you know Jesus, you're trusting in what he did, that's what he says to us. Not because you pay it back, but because he paid for it. Right? That's how debts work. Somebody's got to pay it. Right? If you're that, if you're that bank owner and you say to the guy who 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 took twenty thousand dollars from you or two hundred thousand dollars from you and can't pay it back, if you just write that debt off, like it's not like things disappear. You just lost a lot of money, right? Somebody pays for it. In this case, you do, if it's forgiven. And that's the case with Jesus. As he says to this woman, forgiven, you can't pay it back. I cancel your sin debt. Somebody's got to pay for it. He does. That's what the cross is. Jesus willingly, following the plan of his, 
of his loving, saving father to go to the cross and bear our debt, bear our sin, where, where he pays the price for our sin, the righteous wrath of God uh, that we deserve, he takes it, right? So that there's none left for us. So that he can say at the end, it's finished, it's, it's paid for, it's canceled, right? Because Jesus uh, gives a welcome that forgives sins. So he says, if you're trusting in him, Jesus says to you the same thing he says to this woman. Your sin, which is which are many, your sins, which are many, are forgiven. Forgiven. He's not going to hold it against you today. He's not going to hold it against you ever. Because he paid for it. Now, if you, if you don't know Jesus in the sense of you're not trusting in him and his work, uh, then this is the forgiveness that you desperately need but you don't have apart from resting and trusting in Jesus. Don't don't try to clean yourself up. Don't try to pay a little bit of it back. You can't. Uh, What you do is you run to this Jesus who who says, come, and you trust in what he did on the cross, uh, and and you rest not in your own works, but his works for you, and that's a welcome that forgives your sin. He promises it. He promises it. So welcome that forgives It's also, third, a welcome that transforms. A welcome that transforms. So when when Jesus welcomes somebody, they're never the same. They're transformed by it. And again, uh, this this woman. Here she is. She comes into this uh, this dinner party, and she goes over to Jesus. Uh, Now, kids, if if you happen to be drawing a picture of this scene, of, of uh, of there's Simon's house, and everybody's at the table... You got to know how to draw it. Uh, you don't want to put Jesus or, or Simon in a chair. They weren't sitting in chairs. Uh, they were laying on the ground. That's how you did it. Real low table, and you would lie on the ground with your head towards the table so you could eat, uh, and your feet would stick out away from the table. Which is why when this woman comes in, Jesus' feet are right there. Right? He's not. She's not crawling under the chair or something. No, no, his feet are just right there as they're sticking out, sticking out from the table. And she brings with her uh, what we're told is a flask of an alabaster flask of ointment. So perfumed ointment, but this is like this is the good stuff. This is the really, really expensive stuff. So not like the perfume you get at CVS. This is like the Lord and Taylor stuff that they keep in the locked cabinet that you can't afford. That's the stuff she brings. But apparently before she kind of gets there uh, and, and gets the, the flask and the ointment out, she starts crying. Like real big tears. And, and the tears are falling on Jesus' feet, which, as he says, haven't been washed yet. So they're dirty and dusty from the road. So you add a little water uh, to, to dirty feet, and now you have muddy mess. So it's kind of like, give me a towel. She doesn't have a towel. So what does she do? She takes down her hair and uses her hair as the towel. To wipe Jesus' feet, uh, and then kisses them, provide uh, pours on this expensive, expensive uh, perfume. In that culture, what she's doing is pretty shocking, even even scandalous. Uh, but again, Jesus interprets it for us. What he rightly sees that it is is her loving lavishly, loving and serving Jesus. 
uh, the Jesus who has welcomed her. The Jesus that apparently she's already heard about, right? She'd heard that Jesus was there. She knew something about Jesus and his welcome for sinners. And, and her response to that is, is just this lavish display of love. Again, the, the story gives the interpretation. It's those debtors, uh, two different debts, uh, right? Debt forgiven. And Jesus says, okay, uh, what's their response going to be? Actually, he, he almost assumes they're going to respond. And he instead asks the Pharisee, well, who's going to respond more? Who's going to love more? And even Simon gets this one right. Uh, well, it's the one who's been forgiven the greater debt. It's going to love more that, that moneylender in response. And Jesus says, yes, that's what's happening in front of you. This woman who has been forgiven much, now she loves much. Now, it's really important that we get the order correctly. Um, it isn't, this woman did some really, really loving things for Jesus at first, and therefore, as a result, Jesus decides to forgive her. No, 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 no. It, it's, it's actually, if you wanted to be bored with the Greek verb tenses, I could tell you about verse 47. I won't. Uh, but, but go to the parable. Again, the parable is really what, what kind of centers things for everybody. What's the order in the parable? Right? It is most definitely not these guys are really, really loving to the moneylender, and then they kind of talk him into, okay, 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 I'll now, now I'll forgive your, your debt. No, it's the reverse. The moneylender forgives the debt before they've done anything. And then it's, oh, of course, now they're going to be loving in response. That's the order that Jesus is talking about. That's the gospel. We don't convince Jesus to forgive us. He does. Full, free, as we simply trust in him. Jesus is going to talk about faith. It's just like this empty, ah, oh, I got nothing, but I cling to you, Jesus. And the response is lavish love towards Christ. We don't earn it, but it does change us. And when Jesus welcomes you, like he welcomes this woman, you are not the same. It changes you. A welcome, this full, this free, this forgiving, it, it, it turns you into a different person more and more. And so it is with this person. She, she immediately starts, starts responding in love towards Jesus, lavish love, uh, serving him. And it so does with, with all of us. That's the story of, of every uh, true believer. Jesus welcomes us and forgives us with that loving, forgiving welcome. And it changes us. It, it changes us from who we used to be, where it was all about loving me, 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 uh, serving myself, uh, my glory, my goodness, who cares about everybody else, right? That's, that's, that's sin. But Jesus welcomes us, and it changes us. So more and more, now it's love in response to him and to others. Uh, and we're transformed uh, by God's by God's glory, by God's forgiveness and his welcome. So this is to be the story of our lives as believers. It also gives us a helpful way to, uh, to know how to diagnose and treat when we're, when we're struggling to love. Uh, okay, so think about Simon. Here's Simon the Pharisee. Uh, what's, you know, what's this guy's problem? Well, Jesus points out that clearly he is not loving Jesus points out that he, he, doesn't, he doesn't love him very well at all, right? If Simon, Simon doesn't, 
give him any, any water for his feet. He doesn't give him any, any kiss of warm greeting. So Simon's not loving Jesus, and he's not loving his neighbor, like this woman. Right? Instead of, instead of compassion and love, he's despising her, he's rejecting her. Uh, right? So he's not loving God, and he's not loving his neighbor. Right? So, so what's, what's the solution for Simon? It's not, okay, Simon, now try harder. Uh, what is he missing? Well, Jesus points out uh, with his parable, he's missing the power of forgiveness. Right? He's not loving much because he hasn't been forgiven much. Not, not because he hasn't done a lot of sin, but because he feels like he doesn't have any need of it. He doesn't, he doesn't feel like he needs Jesus, a savior a rescuer, a forgiver like Jesus. He doesn't need it, because look at how great he is. Uh, he does great things. He's a Pharisee. Everybody thinks he's wonderful, right? He, he doesn't need Jesus, a Savior like that. And therefore, guess what that results in? He doesn't love very much. Doesn't love God, doesn't love neighbor, practically, really, truly. So if you ever find yourself in a spot where you're struggling to love, uh, the solution is go back to Jesus. Go back to the gospel. Uh, do you find yourself struggling to love? Maybe, maybe in your life, you, you, there's kind of like Simon, you have someone in your world who's trying to point out you haven't been very loving. Right? Like Jesus is pointing out, take a look. You, you're kind of not doing a great job here. You're not really loving. Uh, if you have somebody like that in your life, or a time like that comes, somebody's trying to point it out, uh, don't. Don't quickly get defensive. Quickly try to build up a big argument about, no, 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 I'm really perfect. I'm really great. Look at all the good things I've done. Look how everybody, how many other people think I'm wonderful. Right? Because that, that is an opportunity. It's a gospel opportunity. If someone's challenging, yeah, maybe, maybe you're not loving as you should. What is that? What, what should that? What can that force you back to? Jesus. And Because that's what will fuel love. Uh, go back to Jesus, the forgiveness that you desperately need, maybe even more than you thought you needed it. Uh, and then having been forgiven by Jesus, it changes you so more and more you love better. You love uh, more fully, more, more completely, more selflessly, more Christ-like uh, in love. Because Jesus gives a welcome that changes us. But finally and quickly, and uh, this we've got, to, we've got to look at how Jesus ends this passage because, well, Jesus gives us kind of a final word, which I think is a really helpful final word uh, here. How Jesus sends this woman off. Uh, what's what's the final word over her life? Well, verse fifty, and he said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." Faith is saying, go in peace. So, so she's a sinner. Yeah, bad sinner. But that's not the final word on her life. That's not the final uh, verdict, the final banner that, that covers her, her, her life. No, no, no. Jesus says it is something very, very different. What's the final word on her life? Peace. He gave it to her. Peace. Which, again, is, is really striking here um, because 
you look around her world, and things are not very peaceful. Uh, and again, this, this, this kind of strikes me, maybe it strikes you. Uh, we tend to think that, okay, yeah, I, I can be peaceful, but it's basically, I, I'm peaceful when, when everything around me kind of is peaceful. Everything's kind of set in order. People generally think well of me, and all these things are set in order around me. There are peaceful circumstances around. Now I have peace. But look at this way. Jesus sends her off. Everybody still thinks she's awful. She hasn't really done uh, very, very much. And, and you know, it's just... Her world, her circumstances, the people, the voices in her life, they're still not very peaceful. And yet, she's got peace anyway. It's the exact opposite of what we tend to think. Uh, but, it's, but it's more powerful, because peace comes not from peaceful circumstances, not from getting everything just so, not from convincing everybody around you that you're wonderful. Peace comes from Jesus. Having him welcome you. And if you have that, what Jesus says, the, the, the marker, the, the, bower, the banner over your life is, is peace. And it never has to change. Because he gives it to you. And he's the prince of peace. Talking about the, the welcome of Jesus. The welcome of Jesus. Does, does Jesus welcome you? One of, the, one of the books I was reading this summer made this, made this point. Who is it that Jesus doesn't welcome? Who is it that Jesus doesn't welcome? And here's how this particular author answered the question. I think he's onto something, uh, biblically. The only people Jesus doesn't welcome are those who think they have no need of him. The only people Jesus doesn't welcome are those who think they have no need of him. It's different than we think. We, we, we think Jesus welcomes us because, because we, got a, we got a list ready. Or, 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 or other people seem to think we're good, so Jesus must think we're good, right? Uh, and if that's gone, then we panic or, or, or something in between. Uh, but, but here's very, very different. No, no, no. no. For those who see, they have, they have need. that they're uh, Yeah, they're, they're a sinner, even a bad sinner. But they see a Jesus here who, who welcomes not just lets you in. Welcomes. Not because you've done anything. Because he's done it all. That's why peace covers your life. Because here's the Lord of glory. And he welcomes you. All because of him. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would Fill us with that, that peace that passes understanding. That peace that comes from what you've done. From your undeserved, free love uh, that, that, that forgives and changes even, even us. Lord, we pray that we would rest more and more uh, in, in that truth, in your gospel, in, in who you are. Lord, that you might receive all the glory as the, as the, the God who is slow to anger and abounding in his steadfast love. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.